Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to this week's La Liga Lowdown recap episode, also broadcast on Sirius XMFC 157. I'm your host, Drew McTeer, and we look back at match day 9 and all the drama it involved. It was a bumper Saturday of fixtures, and Real Madrid were bumped off the top of the table. Barcelona now lead the way, and we'll get to them and their 3 0 win over Ibar shortly. But we have to start at some moish, where newly promoted Real Mallorca hosted Real Madrid for the first time since 2012, and they defeated Zinedine Zidane's men. 1-0, thanks to a Lago Junior goal. La Liga Lowdown's Alex Fitzpatrick was the sideline reporter on La Liga TV for this match, and this is what he thought about the Lago Junior goal in the moment. Well, what a night we have set up now. We have a pitch side for us tonight, Alex Fitzpatrick. And Alex, if you can hear us above the din, tell us how did the Son Moish fans react to that goal? The atmosphere has just lifted another notch, if it was even possible for that to happen. Logo Junior cutting in, scoring a, a trademark Logo Junior goal, really. That's his, that's what he does. He cuts in off that side and tries to bend it in the far corner. As you said, he's not had the greatest of seasons so far, but the manager stuck with him. And you saw his celebration. He's headed straight for the bench, straight for Vicente Moreno. After he had a chance to catch his breath and savour, this special Real Mallorca victory. We caught up with Alex again for a more thorough chat about this win. Alex, we just heard your live take on Lago Junior's goal for La Liga TV. What do you think of it now that you've had the chance to see a replay or two or 40? I think I said it in the commentary and uh, it rings true the day after the event. It was a trademark Lago Junior goal, really. His, his thing is to go down the wing and he'll cut inside He'll uh, look to get a shot away. Normally in those situations, though, obviously defenders would defend that by doubling up or by the centre-half coming coming across and, and if, when he does cut inside, stopping his avenue towards goal. And he managed to isolate uh, the Real Madrid defence, get in a good position and, and bend it into that back corner. So, yeah, a really, a really good goal, a trademark goal for Largo Jr. Exactly what I would have expected from him. And what about the atmosphere, Alex? Surely this was one of the most special games you've been at. The atmosphere in the ground was fantastic, as you'd expect. Um, it was it was a full house. It was a sellout. You'd expect that against uh, against the big boys. But it was at times a little bit of a strange atmosphere. Three sides of the ground have season tickets sold in them with socios. 
and uh, they were full and packed with people with red Real Mallorca shirts on. And the Luis Sitar stand behind the uh, behind the goal in the north end of the, of the of the ground was singing to those two stands and getting them to return chants and you know really really creating a fantastic atmosphere and the the team were absolutely buzzing um, from that and the the ground was bouncing. But then down in the south end of the ground is the the entire stand has been left with um, no season tickets in there only for match to match. Uh, ticket sales so those tickets were on sale to well anybody that could get their hands on them and of course there were a number of uh, Real Mallorca fans in there but the vast majority of supporters in that stand were actually wearing the white shirts of, of Real Madrid um, so it was in that sense a very strange atmosphere because you had three sides of the ground singing three sides of the ground celebrating and kind of an unofficial away end really at the, in, in that south side of the stadium. Real Mallorca only had one shot on target in this game but they defended quite well throughout. Was this a deserved win? Was it a deserved win? Well I think if you look at the statistics and if you look at shots on target and things like that um, it might lead you to question whether it was a deserved win or not but I, I think in the key moments Mallorca got it right and Real Madrid didn't really. One shot on target is all you need if it goes in the back of the net and you keep a clean sheet. And the key moments, Mallorca did well. They managed to defend when they had to. Uh, But also, I think Real Madrid were misfiring. And what did you make of Real Madrid? They came into this match with eight absences and also had Varane on the bench. They seemed like a team without a clear structure or idea. Well, Real Madrid looked every bit aside who really hadn't played together, and the the lineup, not through any fault of Zidane, he he had the players that he had available. He had injuries to a series of key players: Gareth Bale, Luka Modric, uh, Tony Kroos, uh, and of course Eden Hazard missing because of the birth of his of his child. It was it was a little bit of a strange lineup, and it and it meant that they were playing in a different way from how they'd normally play. So they'd normally play the four three three. Um, and obviously they had Luka Jovic up top, which then meant that um, the focal point wasn't Benzema. I thought Benzema had quite a good game, drifting around, picking up the ball, always involved, laying it off well. Um, but they looked very disjointed. Um, as you said, they had no clear structure, no idea really of where they should be, what they should be doing. Um, and they very much looked like a team of 11 individuals rather than a collective. And I think that's where Mallorca were able to exploit that. Mallorca were very much a collective. They were all on, on the same page in terms of tactics and, and, and hard work. And it was not a good one for Real Madrid. And it just goes to show that it's not just about putting 11 players onto the pitch and, and those players being better. At the, at the top level, you just can't do that. You, you, you're going to have uh, oppositions who are more competitive than that and and you just can't rely on having the better 11 players. How did Zidane seem after the game? The pressure must now be on him, right? After the game, he was clearly unhappy. He didn't really want to answer the the questions during the TV interviews. Uh, He was stood with the the media person from Real Madrid very close by who had their their eye on the watch and, and making sure that once he'd done his minimum commitments, he was... He was off and away, and and he almost um, was was taking half a step forward towards the the Spanish uh, television interviewer that was that was speaking to him. Every time there was a question, which 
And they were difficult questions. He, he was asking the difficult questions that you would expect to be asked after that sort of performance, that sort of result, and, and, and where it leaves them, really. The pressure was on him, and he did look tense after the game, and uh, he must be starting to worry that if there's not a positive result on Tuesday, that really uh, against Galatasaray, that is, in, in, in the Champions League, that, that really they might be starting to consider whether or not this time round for Zidane, this project's coming towards its end. Talked about the forgotten man. Rakitic. For the man who's taken his place, at least in the lineup, if not Barcelona Hearts, Ricky De Jong. That there was the sound of Eibar fans applauding, but they weren't applauding one of their own players. They were giving an ovation to Barcelona's Frankie de Jong as he was substituted off towards the end of Barcelona's 3-0 win at Eid Perua. That's how good of a performance de Jong had. He was everywhere in midfield and played some stunning football, which is particularly impressive given how hard Eibar pressed their opponents, giving them no time on the ball. But de Jong only needs a millisecond to do something magical. He didn't score any of the goals or assist any. That was left to Barcelona's MSG front three of Messi, Suarez and Griezmann. Each one of them got on the score sheet and for the latter two goals in this 3-0 win, all three of these attacking talents were involved. They are starting to click, it seems. And that's five wins in a row now for Barcelona, who have returned to the top of the table with 19 points. That's ahead of Real Madrid on 18. Let's also talk about the other de Jong of La Liga, Luke de Jong. He finally scored his first Sevilla goal and it came just in time for the Andalusian club on Sunday night. They were being held to a goalless draw at home to Levante, but de Jong popped up with a header to make it a 1-0 victory. It took him 21 shots for his first La Liga goal, but he finally has it. Let's speak now to Dan Parry in Bilbao. Dan was along at Athletic Club's 1-1 draw with Real Vide lead, a match where Nyaki Williams gave the Bass side a lead just after the half-hour mark before goalkeeper Unai Simon made a huge mistake in the second half, pushing the ball onto Inigo Martinez and scrambled to try to keep it out of his own net. But he couldn't. So Dan, first let's talk about the media coverage and the build-up to this game. What was the pressure like on Athletic to get back to winning ways? Yeah, I guess there was an increased level of expectancy from the media as most people in the city thought that this should have been a very winnable game for Atleti Club. But however, I wouldn't say that it was any more intense than normal. After all, Atleti Club is the only club in the city of Bilbao. That means that they're under pretty much constant scrutiny from the local media and there's always a lot of pressure. However, I do think that maybe there might be even more pressure going into the next game as now we've gone another week without winning. It's now four games without a win. Was this at least an impressive draw? The draw wasn't particularly impressive, to be honest. Uh, Athletic seemed to be missing quite a lot in the final third. Um, we I let down by what seems to be a lack of a, a, a lack of a final touch of a, of that final killer pass and uh, or that killer that killer strike. Perhaps also we're missing a bit of a creative spark in the middle of the pitch because we didn't really get going at all. I think we only really started to to look dangerous towards the end of the game. For example, when um, when Munyain had his chance, that was uh, saved by the by the lead goalkeeper. Inaki Williams scored, and a really good goal by the way, but it's still just two goals from him this season. Is that a concern? In general, lack of goals are a concern in general. I don't think we've scored more than three goals in a game for quite a while now. I'm, I'm, 
I can maybe think of maybe once it's happened under Gaditano and but that's definitely something that Atletico have to look at and I think maybe they have to adapt the way they play to to suit William's strengths better because when when we put balls over the top he's very very good at running past the defender uh he's good in those sort of situations but he seems to struggle with that those typical in the box type striker goals so yeah it's an issue across the team and it's it's an issue for him as well Thanks to Dan for that analysis. Now, on to the big derby match of the weekend. It was the Southern Madrid derby between Hitafi and Leganes on Saturday evening. With riot police brought in and a smashed window on the Leganes bus, it's clear this one was tense. But in the end, it was Hitafi who got the win. You could hear the Hitafi fans in full voice there singing Hitafi is better than Leganes. And going by the table, that's 100% true. Two goals from substitute Angel Rodriguez earned Hitafi a 2-0 win to put them onto 13 points and in 9th place. Leganes, meanwhile, still winless and stuck on two points at the very bottom of the table. With plenty more to get through as we recap the rest of the La Liga weekend, we'll be getting back to you to talk about the other games from round 9 after this short break. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to this Lally Golden recap of Match Day 9, a match day that started on Friday night with a battle between two of the newly promoted sides, Granada and Osasuna. Both of these teams have been impressive since their promotions, but Granada especially so, and they got the 1-0 victory to move into third in the table. That's quite amazing. Domingos Duarte was their hero as he made one goal-saving tackle in defence and headed in the winner in attack. 
pone Peña, ingresa María Peña, la pone primer palo. Gol del Villarreal. ¡Gol! ¡Gol! Let's talk now about Espanyol. They've replaced David Gallego as coach during the international break, sacking him and then announcing the hire of Pablo Machín just 17 minutes later. But Machín got off to a bad start for a 1-0 defeat against Villarreal. So here's Roman de Arquer to discuss this situation. So Roman, how did you rate the Espanyol performance? Well, Machín didn't have a very easy debut against a Villarreal who we know is in good form, who's playing really well lately and is having a very good start to this season. But it has to be said, Espanyol were the better team in this game, even though they lost. I mean, they had more ball possession, so which is something quite unusual for from Espanyol. So there we can start seeing what Machín is looking for. And then also they had more chances, more opportunities. 18 shots from Espanyol, 4-11 from Villarreal. So, I mean, Espanyol deserved at least a draw. They were the better team overall. And in one game, Machín has already proved that this team can do much better. What did Pablo Machín do differently? Well, there are three things I would point out uh, Machín did quite differently in this game. First of all, of course, the formation, which was a 3-5-2, he's used very often um, with his other teams in La Liga. Whereas uh, Gallego, of course, was do- using a 4-4-2, so it's a very different formation. Then also, he introduced a few new players. Um, Victor Gomez as a deep fullback going up and down uh, the right wing. He was really good, a really talented young kid who got the chance with Machín. And he also introduced Bernardo, uh, somebody he knew really well from Girona, who was a definite starter for Machín and who's going to get another opportunity because with Gallego he wasn't getting many minutes. And finally, one of those things which interested me was that the team was crossing the ball a lot into the box. Lots of crosses from both sides, looking for their tall strikers such as Caleri and then Facundo Ferreira when they came in. So it seems like it's going to be one of uh, Machin's tactics in looking for more goals uh, during this season. Which Espanyol players do you think will thrive the most under Machin? Of course, uh, the fullbacks are going to have a lot of protagonism in this kind of system because they have a lot of presence in attack, but also a lot of presence in defense. So keep an eye out for Victor Gomez. I think he's going to be really important. In his debut, he was just fantastic. It was his first time in front of the fans at the Arrecede Stadium. Let's keep that in mind. So credit to this kid. And also on the other wing, I think Adria Pedrosa will uh, be very good. Then I'd mention maybe Marc Roca. I think he's going to also have more protagonism because uh, Espanol are trying to have the ball more often. So he's going to be a good connection point between the defense and the attacking players. And finally, I'd say El Mono Vargas because he was really good. He was also a good link with Caleri and he he was... uh, he was really looking for the ball during the whole game. He wanted to take the ball forward. He wanted to be the important man. So I think he's going to be one of those key players this season for Machin. This game was played in Catalonia. Even though there's political protests going on at the moment, protests which forced next weekend's classical to be moved. But why was this match able to take place as scheduled in Barcelona? If only I had the answer to this question. I mean, if I think about it uh, logically, I imagine they interpret that the stadium is further away from the city centre where all the riots and demonstrations are happening because the RC stadium is in Cornella, which is in the outskirts of Barcelona for those who don't know. And I'm also guessing that maybe Espanyol isn't a politically biased team, or at least they try and show themselves that way. And it's not as common to see their fans protesting against political stuff or motives. So maybe those are the two reasons which made it go ahead. And what do you think about the postponement of El Clasico? The right decision? 
Well, if you ask me, it's a stupid decision, to be honest. I mean, it's unnecessary to move the game uh, to another month. It's unnecessary to revert the fixtures and play first at the Bernabeu and then at the Camp Nou, such as uh, Javier Tebas was suggesting. I mean, I'm doing my day-to-day life here in Barcelona. Normally, I can walk in the streets, I can move around, there's no hassle. Uh, there's true, there have been some riots in certain points of the city, uh, mainly at night. It's a bit of vandalism, it's people getting out of control. That is happening, I can't lie to you about that. But it's really very specific and easy to avoid. Mostly it's just peaceful protests, people fed up with the political situation here in Barcelona. And I don't think it would really affect the game at all. Uh, the only bad thing maybe for Real Madrid... Uh, due to this would be the extra pressure they'd have the Camp Nou, more protests, more people complaining, more people showing their uh, political interests and, and chanting and protesting against uh, maybe Los Blancos and, and, and Spain in general. But apart from that, I don't think there'd be any real problem, any inconvenience. Uh, Security-wise, I think it would be okay. I mean, we saw the Espanyol game go on without any problem. The Camp Nou isn't the city center either. It's uh, further away also uh, from where all the things, uh, all the bad things at least are happening. So, I mean, this game should be played uh, on the 26th of October, such as it was scheduled. Perdiendo 1-0 en el Metropolitano, pero con una falta peligrosa y con un hombre más sobre el campo ya hasta el final. Parejo al golpeo, 6 en la barrera. Pame los cuchillos, González. Parejo, chuta, qué golazo. There was a clash of titans on Saturday afternoon as Atletico Madrid hosted Valencia. It finished 1-1 as Danny Parejo hit a beautiful food kick to cancel out Diego Costa's first half penalty given for Dennis Cherishev handball on the very edge of the penalty area. It means Valencia have now gone 10 matches without beating Atletico, which is a record, but they'll surely be happy with the point as it was another positive away result for Albert Salades and his Valencia side, after the wins, of course, at Chelsea and at Athletic Club. Let's bring in Paco Pollock now. And Paco, how impressed are you with the way Valencia compete away from home? Well, I'm happily surprised if we consider how crazy and hectic the summer has been for these players, but not really impressed, as Valencia's DNA in the last two seasons was exactly the one we've been seeing to date. Very solid, very tough to beat both home and away, with also severe problems to score regularly, but with a defending proficiency that allowed them to stay in the game almost till the last minute. Against Atletico we saw exactly that, powered by a tactic switch in the second half when Condogbia was subbed and Gamero came in. With that 4-4-2 final in place and Parejo bossing the game, Valencia didn't only level, but they could also have won the three points. It's another away game next as they go away to Lille. What are your expectations for this Champions League match? Valencia definitely have to win this if they expect to be contenders for the first two spots in their group. Winning in London was a big coup back in the day, but the defeat later at Mestalla against Ajax was both very tough on the team and also left no margin for further mistakes. The players and the staff know that picking up the six points against Lille can be the key to qualifying on the last 16 round, so I expect a huge game in France, absolutely. Danny Parejo was the man scoring the equaliser, a brilliant free kick that was only the sixth direct free kick scored past Oblak in La Liga. How would you describe Parejo's last 12 months, Paco? 
um, in the same way I could describe his past three or four seasons in the team. He's the captain and absolute leader of the gang. He still has to endure critical fans and haters who are unable to appreciate his brilliance. But the fact that he has managed to turn around the opinion of 90% of Valencia's fan base with leadership, quality, consistency and pure skill is something that, I have to be honest, I haven't seen in 15 years working as a journalist here. He is hands down one of the best players in the league and the brilliant free kick goal against Atleti should stand right up there with the best goals we've seen to date this season. Kang and Lee was sent off late on for a really bad tackle on Santiago Arias, very worthy of a red card. He also had a bad tackle on Carlos Perez in the defeat at the Camp Nou that could have been a red. Paco, does he have a disciplinary problem? Does he need to control his frustration and energy a bit more? See, Kangin Lee's problem is his eagerness to play and show everybody he's worthy of all of the praise he's gotten in the last couple of years. Remember, he's only 18 and one of the biggest prospects not only in Spain but in the whole continent. That fiery attitude and drive to run and chase and recover the ball is something he must tame down because as we usually say, Attackers are really very clumsy when making challenges and tackles and are easily booked for that. The red card was totally deserved. The player was devastated and crying inside the locker room, as some of his teammates said later. But I'm sure he will learn from the experience and become a huge player in the next few years. How would you describe Denis Chebyshev in his afternoon? He was a very frustrated guy, I thought. Nothing went right for him. Yeah, well, unlucky. Just unlucky period he had an awful evening and he was kicked out of the game by Jimenez early in the first half in one run in the wing where he got fouled clearly fouled and the referee didn't make the call from that point onwards everything Cherishev did every effort he made to help the team had a negative outcome you know a stupid handball in the limits of the box which eventually became a penalty against Valencia and especially a clear chance he had which was slightly touched by Oblak and sent straight into the bar. Definitely a Russian winger won't have a good memory of what happened last weekend. Thanks for that Paco and thanks to all the other contributors this week to Alex Fitzpatrick, Dan Parry and Roman de Arcare. I'm Hugh McTeer and I've been your host for this Match Day 9 recap. We'll have our Week 10 recap coming to you at the same time next week so look out for that and thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 